Hello and welcome to another episode of the House the Hinky Built podcast. As always, I am your host, Jackson Frank. And uh, today we're going solo. We are talking after the Philadelphia 76ers 117-97 win over the New Orleans Pelicans to kick off uh, the 2021-22 regular season. Uh, I'm going to try and do a podcast ideally after every game in some capacity. Maybe the circumstance doesn't allow that, um, but at least a few times a week for sure. Um, but the circumstances allow it today, so we're going to talk about the Sixers' comfortable win over uh, the Pelicans. You know, they they entered halftime at 53-53, um, got off to a pretty good start. I thought Joel, I think, had 14 in the first quarter. Um, he was quieter in the second, and that allowed the Pelicans to find some rhythm. Uh, Devontae Graham had a good game. Um, and then, you know, the, but the Sixers had a really nice run uh, after the Pelicans took the lead at 62-59 in the third quarter. Um, they won on a 22-8 to run through a stretch of the uh, the third, maybe to close the third, entered the fourth up 81-70, got as close as 81-75, and then the Furkan Korkmaz show began. Uh, Furkan had 22 points, uh, tied for the team lead with Joel. Uh, he scored or assisted on the first 17 points of the fourth quarter, including 14 of his own points, uh, hit four threes, hit a ridiculous one, um, from like the parking lot, basically in transition after Matisse Seibel had a really nice steal. Uh, and I really thought this game was emblematic of the growth we've seen offensively from, from Furcon. Um, because Ben Simmons and Shake Milton are out, the Sixers are pretty short on ball handlers. And that meant Furcon was handling the ball a lot in those second units. You know, Doc loves his, his bench heavy lineups. He went to the all bench unit uh, for quite a few minutes today. I don't quite, I don't have the numbers specifically, but um, for a long stretch there in both the first and second half, that all-bench unit was Furkan, Matisse, Isaiah Joe, George Niang, and Andre Drummond. And that required Furkan to do a lot of ball handling, and I think you saw how well he, he fared in that today. I think you kind of saw the upside there from from Furkan in that role. Um, he's really, really developed that skip pass to the corner down now. I think he had a couple of assists on that play, at least one to George Niang for a corner three in the second half. Might have had one in the first half as well. But that's a passing read we saw him make a few times in the regular in, in the preseason. Excuse me, that just looked natural and comfortable. Like he wasn't necessarily forcing it. Sometimes reads can be predetermined or premeditated. But that looks like one that when Furkan gets downhill, whether it's in a ball screen or attacking off the catch, he knows that's going to be there if he has a big man rolling as well. That will force that weak side defender to to tag as they say to pick up that that roll man and eliminate the, the pass from Furkan. So thought that was good. Um, he had a really nice runner, you know, kind of a high off the glass, I think, in the first half. The Sixers have started to implement more double drags in their second unit. Um, if you're curious what double drag is, it just means that you have, it's an early offense set. I think I might have described this on my previous podcast with Adam Aronson, but um, for those who didn't listen, double drag, uh, it's an early offense set. Generally, a ball handle is moving either from left to right or right to left. And one screener, uh, it's, a, it's a staggered screen, one screener, you know, flares beyond the arc, another guy rolls. So for the Sixers, typically they're doing that in that second unit with George Niang and Andre Drummond. Uh, and I think Furkan's gotten downhill a few times there uh, in preseason and now to open you know, the regular season. Um, Ford had, had, I think, had a turnover. Or there was a foul call or something on one play, but also a nice finish. But, um, you know, obviously this is the story with Furkan is that fourth quarter explosion. Um, he ran a slide screen play with, I think, Maxi when Maxi came into the game. Uh, shot fake got the defender, I think, Nikhil Alexander-Walker to leave his feet. Furkan loves that shot fake and then drill a three. 
Uh, he hit a movement three off as like a side DHO with Andre Drummond, uh, kind of an off-balance shot as well. Uh, he had the ridiculous pull-up three, as I mentioned. Uh, if you're looking for it, you can find it on my Twitter. I'm sure you can find it on the Sixers Twitter account. Um, really ridiculous shot, tons of confidence. Um, and then that forced a timeout, I believe. He went to the bench, got it, you know, jumped up in the air, and you know, did kind of the chest bump with a couple of teammates. Joel was, you know, giving giving him his props. So, really, really good game from Furcon. Um, it was an up and down preseason. I think he didn't shoot the ball very well, besides that that really strong game against the the Nets. Um, but he was he was the man of the hour in this game, uh, relative to everyone else. I think he out, he outperformed expectations. And if you listen to the last pod. Um, you know that Adam said that he thinks Furkan is going to be the most valuable bench player, and that was clearly the case uh, to open the season. So kudos to Adam for that call so far. It looks very prescient. Um, so I really liked what I saw from, from Furkan in that regard. I mean, he's just such a – he's just really improved his ball skills and kind of his conf- – he's always been a confident player, but once he gets the rhythm and the juice is flowing, um, he really can kind of carry the offense for a stretch. Um, so really, really good start to the year for him. And um, he's a guy who's basically gotten better every season last year. While he regressed a bit, you know, as a shooter, uh, really took strides defensively both on and off the ball with his awareness and positioning and timing. So uh, not saying Furkan's going to have 22 points uh, on the efficiency he did, you know, tonight every game, but um, I think it's reasonable to expect that Furkan will be a better player than he was last year, and I think it's largely going to be through the avenue of those improved ball skills, which we've seen over the last couple of years, but I really do think this is going to be the year where you can, you can trust him to be maybe be a a tertiary creator, or, you know, just a complimentary creator um, in some of those bench-heavy lineups that Doc likes to run. And so it's going to be contingent off those runners and those jumpers are falling, but if they are, I really do think he's a guy who can, um, you know, I wouldn't say buoy these lineups, but really kind of invigorate them. Um, I'm just going to try and keep these pods pretty short. This is a fairly new experience for me in terms of, you know, immediate post-game reaction pod. Um, keep them 30, 40 minutes at the most. If you're listening to these and you have feedback, feel free to email me or find me on Twitter at jackfrank underscore jjf. My email is in, in my bio. So always looking to make these as enjoyable for you, the listeners, as possible. Um, but let's talk about Joel's game. You know, he looked like he was on his way to a really, really nice uh, stat line. He came out about late in the fourth quarter with 22 points, six rebounds, five assists, one steal, and one block. Uh, only one turnover as well. Um, but uh, due to Furcon and the bench's efforts, uh, you know, that 22-4 to four run in, in the fourth quarter, the starters didn't have to come back in. Maxie ended up coming back. Um, Isaiah Joe took a hard fall and had a chin laceration. He's fine, though. He closed the game. Or I should say he's fine for now, but Maxie kind of came in. But everyone else, uh, Tobias Harris, 28 minutes. Danny Green, 19 minutes. Joel, 26. Seth Curry, 28 minutes. Um, but I really liked what we saw from Joel. It was a continuation of the diverse offensive game that he, he showed last season. He had a pull-up three. He banked in a three as a trailer um, when Maxi pushed the pace. Um, he hit a pull-up jumper. He I think he had a couple of plays where he was just too quick for Jonas Valanciunas with those little stutter rips or those the hesitations on the mid-post that he's really good at. Um, uncharacteristically, was four of six from the line, and he had a little bit of early foul trouble in the first half. You know, quote-unquote foul trouble. If you've read my work and listened to my pods, you know I'm not a huge proponent of that concept, but... Um, it did cause him to be a little more conservative as a rim protector once he picked up a second foul. Um, but in the third quarter, I thought he was really awesome defensively. Um, last year, I thought he took a pretty big stride as a pick-and-roll defender. You saw how well he, he performed against Trey Young and company you know, in the second round there. And I thought you saw a lot of that as well uh, on, on, Tuesday, on Wednesday. excuse me. 
Um, he did. He had, a, he had a nice steal. He broke up a pass uh, in the second half with his active hands. Um, you know, was really mobile. I thought they they had him hedge a few times in pick and rolls against Devontae Graham in particular, and I thought he did well there. I recall playing the first half when they were in a side ball screen for Devontae Graham. Joel hedged, Maxi tagged, and Joel was able to recover and and force Jonas Valanciunas into a miss around the rim. Obviously, credit to Maxi as well there, but you saw some really versatile pick and roll defense. He also did a really, really nice uh, lefty skip pass off a live dribble for a corner. He passed it to Tobias. Tobias attacked off the catch. was really spry off the catch from Tobias, uh, and I think drew a foul at the rim. So was really patient against the doubles. Obviously, New Orleans is not a very good defensive team, or does not project to be. They weren't last year, at least. So um, not the highest standard in terms of how he's going to handle double teams. And again, a sense of turnover ratio is never a great stat. Um, you know, in terms of assessing a player's passing ability, but I thought Joel did very well in that regard. Um, and was on his way to a, you know, a, a 29-32 point outing with eight rebounds, seven assists, maybe a couple of steals, a couple of blocks, but really, really good game. He's kind of his MVP caliber superstar self. Um, nothing really new to report. Obviously, it's important to talk about him because he is the centerpiece of the team, but um, I thought he looked really good, had a couple of nice assists, or at least one assist on a high-low action to Tobias. Um you know, the Sixers are probably going to be a pretty jump shot heavy team, um, but they really did have more space without Ben Simmons in there. Um, they missed Ben defensively at times, um, just kind of you know, preventing perimeter defensive breakdowns. But offensively, you know, kind of being able to go four out in some sense around Joel really, really did open things up. Um, you know, it helped that they went 13-25 from three, but uh, I liked that what they could do there with, you know, they've run that high-low action at times with both Tobias and Ben where Joel's the facilitator, maybe even vice versa where Joel is inside there. But you really saw, kind of saw the the boon you can have uh, when, when Ben isn't in there. Um, it's not to take shots at Ben, but uh, I just think, you know, you really saw the floor open up and how, how much you can kind of go to those those high-low actions more. And you only saw it a couple times between Joel and Tobias, but it's something I think the Sixers should go to fairly frequently i'd say i just think joel is pretty good at that pass and uh tobias is pretty good at sealing his man off as he's really embraced physicality the last couple of years more inside so um that's the other thing that stood out to me from joel um you know, just the versatile versatile offense both as a scorer and playmaker uh and then you know the defense especially in that third quarter when this when the you know when the sixers stretch their lead to, to 81 70 on their first 22 uh, the run that involved 22 points from them. That one was 22 to eight, and then 22 to four, as I said earlier in the fourth quarter there. So, uh, good game from Joel. Uh, obviously, I'd imagine he'll be very good as well in uh, on Friday uh, when they take on the Nets. The Nets are a small team, and that was Joel's best preseason game. I think he only played eight minutes, um, but I think he's gonna have a good one there. And you know, Wednesday was a was a good start for for him after an incredible you know 2020 21 campaign. Uh, other things that stood out to me. From this game, uh, Tobias, I think he was only two of six in the first half, but he was integral to the Sixers finding some rhythm in that third quarter. Looked more comfortable, and, and you know when he had more ball handling reps, I think he was playing a little bit off the ball uh, a fair amount in that first half. When he, I don't think he fared that well. It, Tobias is a guy that you would love to play off the ball, and if he could thrive there more, but he's someone who really gains rhythm when he has control and longer touches. And you know, Sixers don't have a bunch of creators. You know, to to shift him down the hi- the hierarchy, and so I uh, thought he was really good there. Got some reps, uh, you know, in the third quarter uh, when he was looking to get in the paint, be aggressive, attack. Uh, wasn't some incredible game from Tobias, um, but he still did have 20 points, 12 rebounds. He's a really really good defensive rebounder, super aggressive. You know, high points balls is, is 
pursues them. So uh, 12 rebounds, two assists, one steal. Um, I thought it was a pretty quintessential Tobias game. You would have liked to see him take more than two threes after, you know, he talked about at media day taking more threes off the dribble and more contested threes. But all around a pretty good game for him, and I just thought he found some rhythm in that, you know, in that third quarter when he had more, when he had the ball in his hands more and was looking to get downhill and really attack there. So uh, good game from him. Got, got things off on, a, on the right foot and, and really kind of built some steam in that third quarter. And, you know, I think he would have had a pretty prolific scoring game if, if he was needed in the fourth, but obviously he was not because the bench held things down. Uh, let's talk about the bench. Uh, Doc went to the all-bench lineup, you know, as I mentioned, of Furkan, Isaiah Joe, Matisse Thiebel, George Niang, and Andre Drummond. Uh, for long stretches in both the, the second, or both the first half and the second half, excuse me. And I thought it was good in the first half. I'm I'm trying to pull up the numbers here. Um, I really should have had them handy, but uh, ended up being good. It ended up being good in the first half. Let me let me check here uh, briefly. I apologize for this awkward delay, but um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Furcon was good. Um, you know, I, I wrote up a, a thing at Liberty Ballers. We do kind of the bell ringer, three or four guys who played well or standout guys, and I thought Matisse was excellent. I you know, he really gave Brandon Ingram troubles. Uh, I know he didn't, he wasn't matched up on Ingram for the entire game because he off, came off the bench and Ingram was a starter, but um, Ingram was only 12-26 from the field for 25 points. That came out to be 48.1% true shooting. He didn't get any free throws. And I think from the Sixers' perspective, at least, that was largely due to Matisse because Matisse was hounding him on his hip, staying down on shot fakes, uh, was really good about you know getting into to bring, bring to Ingram's airspace. Ingram loves to kind of operate in that mid range area, use that high release point to get off clean looks. Uh, but Matisse, with his body control and wingspan, really kind of cont- contested a lot of shots and, and gave Ingram problems. He had a couple of sequences against Nikhil Alexander Walker as well. Um, to Nikhil's credit, he had a really nice game. Uh, he ended up with with 23 points and nine of 16 shooting, four of eight from three. Uh, but Matisse had a couple of nice plays against him as well. So um, kind of a quintessential Matisse game um, among the last three guys I've mentioned, between, among Joel, Tobias, and Matisse, kind of what you'd expect from them. But um, really, really good job from him. So I wanted to give Matisse a shout-out there. Uh, just, you know, and then off the ball, he did his thing as a ball hawk. Four steals, was constantly just kind of pouncing around plays, uh, high motor, high effort, that type of thing. Um, the reason that Furkan was dribbling the ball on that on that pull up three in transition was because Matisse made a great effort to to get back in the play and either intercept a pass or poke a ball from from behind a ball handler. So uh, really really good game from Matisse. Just really stood out to me. Um, if you have a chance to to rewatch it, you haven't caught it yet, and you're just using this podcast as a means to to fill you in, but you want to watch it, I would keep a close eye on Matisse when he's in the game. Uh, I really thought he did an awesome job against Ingram. So kudos to Matisse. Um, you know, quiet game offensively per usual, missed one three, had a nice cut in the first half. I think the first quarter and on a Drummond found him, um, but also another cut where he could have finished strong and shot away from contact instead and, and missed kind of a little hook shot or runner. So uh, Matisse, is, Matisse is who he is right now. I know he's been trying to, and he's talked about kind of growing his offensive game, but really strong defense performance and, you know, kind of picked up where he left off last regular season when he, you know, when he earned an all defensive team spot. So, um, props to Matisse there. Uh, and then, you know, his fellow benchmate, uh, Andre Drummond, I thought was really, really good defensively as well. 
you know, these Sixers are going to vary their pick and roll coverage. I think Dan Burke is really good. He's their defensive coordinator, really good about being flexible in his approach defensively, and that you know that also entails the pick and roll coverage. So um, they'll drop with Joel at times, a little more conservative, they'll have him hedge. But with Drummond, they're playing him a little higher up sometimes in drop. Sometimes they're playing him right at the level of the screen. You saw that throughout preseason. I think Matisse has talked about it. And I thought he did really, really well, you know, in that role on Wednesday. Um, you know, was empowered to be aggressive. That's where he's best. You don't want you don't want him sitting back waiting for the action to come to him. You want him being aggressive, being the aggressor. Um, I thought he was really good at stunting at ball handlers and pick and rolls, um, really kind of forcing them to kill their live dribble and then either take a floater, uh, look for a pocket pass or that lob. And what Drummond was good at was not only would he force that force that ball handler to kill a dribble and make a decision, he was quick to retreat and break up a lob or take away the pocket pass angle. So um, was really impressive with him there. He ended up with with two steals and two blocks. I thought he was good as a rim protector too, was active, made some good rotations, had a really nice play, I think, in the third or fourth quarter where he hustled back on defense and broke up a lob on the break. Um, 17 rebounds as well, 15 of which were on the defensive glass. In the first half, he had a few... Uh, I would say gaffes, kind of classic gaffes. Uh, offensively, four turnovers. I don't know if they all came in the first half, but I believe they did. Um, you know, traveled on a post-up, I think. Uh, got a little ambitious after a steal or a rebound uh, and turned it over on the break. But I was really, really impressed with Drummond. I, as you know, anyone who listens to this podcast you know, knows that I, I was a proponent of the signing. I thought he was very, very good in preseason and continued a strong play, particularly on defense in Wednesday's season opener. So uh, really, really good start for him. The activity, you just saw how good the hands are defensively and what he can do on the defensive glass. Um, the value of defensive rebounding can be overstated at times, but someone has to end a possession, and Drummond is you know, among the best in the league at that. 17 rebounds in 19 minutes is pretty ridiculous. Uh, you're looking at a per 36 rate of, like, 30 rebounds. I don't have the quick math, you know, an official, but um, I really, really liked what you saw from him on that end. So um, it also set some really good screens. I thought he helped kind of spring free some of the bench ball handlers at times. He's really developed a good rapport with Furcon uh, in preseason and training camp and practice. So he liked that. He's able to have some roll gravity because he sets good screens and rolls hard. Even if he's not some dominant play finisher, I think he he is pretty good, you know, at getting at forcing defenders to tag him and open up threes on the perimeter. Um, so as we speak, I'm looking at the bench unit units numbers. Um, that that unit of uh, of Joe Corkmaz, Thibel, Yang, and Drummond was minus one in nine minutes. Um, but you swap Maxi in there, and that in the sorry, the Sixers are minus one in those minutes. Uh, and then the Sixers are plus 19 if you swap Maxi, swap Joe for Maxi. So obviously that's because Furcon turned into the Human Torch to an extent. But um, that second unit really does have some synergy. I think you know Doc is too reliant on the times. Like I think the last couple of years I tweeted it. So apologies if you heard this expression, but I think he treats the bench unit success as sustainable income, whereas it's more found money. And so um, you know he called it to the Sixers or the Pelicans opened the fourth quarter on a 5-0 run, cut the lead to 81.75, Doc called timeout, and came back with the exact same unit. So I don't really know what what, that, what, what was the idea there. Um, you know, I just don't get why you're calling timeout if you're going to roll the same vibe again. You know, I could talk for, for minutes, hours about, you know, why Doc is so, you know, 
steadfast in his all bench lineups, but um, I do think they have some chemistry. I think at times it's, it's something you could go to. I wouldn't I wouldn't advocate for it, but I see maybe in short stints why why it's something Doc likes, and he's praised that second unit throughout training camp. So I get it to an extent, but uh, it kind of almost cost them if Furcon didn't you know go on that hot streak, and, and maybe Furcon goes on the hot streak because he feels comfortable. Um, with the group there, you know, maybe in place of Maxi or because he has some chemistry with Maxi dating back to Maxi's tenure as a reserve previously. But um, not something I want to see a ton of, you know, just in terms of, you know, how I how I view uh, team, not team building, but, you know, just lineup construction and whatnot, not coming from a, a fan perspective because I, I am not a fan. But um, you really did see kind of the benefit of that synergy that they build in. Um, you know, that's another thing that jumped off the page for me. Um, you know, you know, I do want to talk about Maxi. Um, I thought he struggled in the first half, to an extent, especially on defense, whether it was getting hung up on some screens, losing guys off the ball. Um, I didn't think it was a great first half from him, but um, you saw kind of what makes him so important offensively. Uh, really is able to kind of get downhill and turn the corner with some serious speed and gusto and dribble handoffs. Had a few nice finishes. Uh, I don't know if it was necessarily all with Drummond or all with Joel, but you saw kind of the merits of what he can do when he gets downhill off of DHOs or even ball screens. Um, really kind of found some rhythm uh, in the second half, which is generally the theme of the entire Sixers offense. When you score 64 points in the in one period compared to 53 in the first half, that's going to be the case. But Maxi was, you know, emblematic of that theme. In the fourth quarter alone, he had seven points and two assists. Hit a really nice pull-up three at one point. Uh, and just, sorry, I was about to cough, but I didn't cough. Um <coughs> I guess I coughed, so I apologize if you heard that. But he had a really nice pull-up three after previously getting all the way to the rim, and he was confident in that pull-up three. Like, he knew that he had set up the defender to go under the screen with his previous drive, and boom, that defender went under, and he let it fly, looked confident. Also hit hit a catch-and-shoot three, which was good to see. Um, Definitely still a little hesitant, more hesitant than you'd like from from three off the catch. I definitely think he's more comfortable as a pull-up guy, which I think has kind of been the case... You know, dating back to, ha- in my experience, having watched Maxi since he was like a junior in high school, he's always been a little more comfortable because he's often had the ball in his hands. Um, and so I think it's going to take some time for him to get comfortable with the catch and shoot stuff. He really derailed some advantages by trying to attack rather than just take the spot up three. But um, drilled one, took another one that was comfortable, hit the pull up three, as I mentioned. Um, really, really strong, I think, overall debut from or second-year debut, I should say, 20 points, 8 of 14 shooting, 5 assists, 1 turnover, 7 rebounds. Um, the defense wasn't as good as I thought, or, or it wasn't as good as I'm accustomed to, excuse me, but um, the idea there is I'm not really worried about Maxi's defense. I largely think he's been pretty solid for a first-year guard. Um, I think he, he can kind of do some good things, staying down, staying, discipline, or staying connected in pick-and-rolls around screens. has a tendency to buy on shot fakes, but... Um, Point down, not worried about Maxi's defense, even if I thought it was subpar, you know, to open the season uh, on Wednesday. Um, but but really good overall, I thought from from him. Um, you know, he went twenty points on fourteen shots, two free throws, um, strong game, I thought. So um, I, I really do think that's going to wrap it up for me. I want to keep these things brief, something you can listen to on your early morning commute uh, or when you have a, you know a lunch break. So. Again, this this post game pod thing is still kind of a a new experience for me. Um, so I really do want to welcome any kind of constructive feedback that you, the listeners, can provide me. Um, please do rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
um, would mean a ton to me. I really kind of am trying to get back into, you know, this podcast, um, you know, as, as I, you know, kind of get back into the regular season rhythm, uh, rhythm is probably going to be the buzzword. So, uh, if you don't be, do not play a drinking game with the word rhythm with this podcast, I do not advise it. I do not uh, advocate for that. Um, but we're, we're, we're working on this. So, um, that is going to wrap it up for me. I hope everyone has enjoyed this. Again, it's a work in progress, just like just like Tyrese Maxey's jumper off the catch. Uh, it's going to be a development. We're going to be better by April than we are are now. So um, I hope everyone enjoyed this. Uh, as always, stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. I will talk to all of you again soon.